Are you tired of spending countless hours in the kitchen every week trying to figure out what to make and constantly overspending on takeout? My guide, Well Prepped, is here to revolutionize your mealtime routine by offering you the perfect solution. Prep once, cook twice, and enjoy delicious, macro-friendly meals all week long. The food struggle is real. You want to eat well-balanced meals that taste good. You want to make most of your meals at home, but don't want to be a slave to your kitchen. You know you should be eating more protein, but don't know how in the world to get it in. You're overwhelmed with just choosing a recipe you have saved, so you end up getting takeout again. Insert well-prepped, a guide I created to take the guesswork out of efficiently making delicious, macro-friendly meals. This guide provides you with eight weeks of recipes. Each week, you'll prep once for 30 minutes, cook twice, and then enjoy eating all week. That's right. The two recipes will make you a total of six meals. I even made Instacart links for all the weekly groceries you'll need so you don't even need to think about grocery shopping. I'm all about saving time, money, and mental energy when it comes to feeding my family healthy meals, and now I get to share that with you. Grab your copy of Well Prepped at aishazaza.com. And from my kitchen to yours, cheers to eating well and being well prepped. Do you feel lost when it comes to nutrition, counting macros, and the endless information there is out there about optimizing your energy and getting into the best shape that you want to be in? Jenny, the nutritionist, has designed the nutrition program for ladies who lift weights and want to build muscle and decrease body fat. Vaguely eating less and working out more is not how you create an above average shape. Building a badass shape requires a strategy where your nutrition is aligned with your training and your plan is fine-tuned. Create Your Shape is Jenny's four-month nutrition coaching program where she'll help you change your body composition, you'll be taught the science of nutrition, and you'll be able to create a nutrition routine that runs on autopilot. I have learned so much from her and she truly is the best at what she does. For Mindset Mile listeners, she's offering 10% off her four-month nutrition program with the code MILE10. Check her out on Instagram at Jenny the Nutritionist and go to JennyTheNutritionist.com backslash create-your-shape to learn more and join the Create Your Shape ladies. Welcome to the Mindset Mile podcast, the show that'll leave you empowered to take action towards becoming the turned up version of your already awesome self. I'm your host, Aisha Zaza, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, friend, and welcome back to another episode of the Mindset Mile podcast. I have a super special guest today, Miss Mary Tilson. Welcome to the show, Mary. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I like how I called you Miss Mary Tilson, like we're in a kindergarten class. I'm just going <laughs> to roll with that one, though. <laughs> Okay, today I am really excited to chat with you a little bit about being sober curious. This is actually something that several listeners have written me about to talk about on the show or share my opinion on. And I am not sober. I like to have an occasional drink from time to time. And so I felt a little strange, you know, having it come from me. And I know when I found your page and saw what you were all about, and I actually heard another interview podcast that you did, I 
knew you were the perfect person to have on the show. So I would love if you just wanted to share with us a little bit about yourself and what you do, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me again. And I'll say, I think it's amazing that we're able to have this conversation and that sober curious is even becoming a more common term and that people are open to just exploring what this lifestyle might have to offer them. So yeah, I'm a recovery coach. I'm personally in recovery from addiction. And so I help other people find freedom from addiction, but I also just help people who are curious about sobriety and what it might look like for them just to remove substances from their life. I also teach yoga and meditation, and I have a platform, Sun and Moon Sober Living, which is an inclusive community for people who are, yeah, exploring a sober and sober curious lifestyle. I love that. Do you mind me asking a little bit about your personal journey in when you realized you had a problem or like an addiction to substance? Yeah, I don't mind at all actually. I it was a, it was confusing for me for a long time because I was a high functioning alcoholic and I a lot of the struggle that I went through was very internal and I kept a lot of the what I was going through a secret and there was a lot of internal shame around it and I was always using my outward achievements, the fact that I could maintain a high GPA or, you know, a job that was a respectable job in Chicago where I was living at the time as a way to justify some of my behaviors. But for me, what happened was I went to treatment the first time when I was in college. I had a pretty significant rock bottom my junior year, which I was going to school at the University of Colorado in Boulder. And I ended up having to leave school for six weeks to go to treatment. And I couldn't imagine a sober lifestyle for myself at that time. So despite the fact that things had gotten pretty bad and both with alcohol and drugs, I still had this idea in my mind that I could find a way to moderate. And so I went through treatment thinking I can outsmart this. I'm not one of these people. I know better. And so I did try for a few more years. And then I had another bottom moment when I was 23. And that was when I went back to treatment. I was working a full-time job at the time, but that was when I finally made the decision to get sober. So I could go into more details about my whole story, but just to give you the gist of it. No, that's that's really helpful. I just am curious, you know, where someone, I mean, you described the situation I'm thinking of perfectly, where you're not sure, you're like, how much is too much? Or do I actually have a problem? Like, what does that addiction problem look like? And I I feel like there's probably so many times where you talked yourself out of that being your reality, right? Like you, like you said, you justified it in so many different ways. So I just want to, you know, I wanted to hear from you to maybe give someone who's listening an example of like, there's no, I know they're not going to be able to quantify, you know, how big their addiction or their problem might be is from just your story, but what were some telltale signs where you were like, okay, yeah, this is, this is it. I need to get some help here. Yeah. Well, even just the way you asked that question brings up such an important point and the perspective on addiction is really changing. Whereas before the kind of narrative was this very black and white view where you're either an alcoholic or a quote unquote normal person. (laughs) And now, I mean, some people don't even use that term alcoholic anymore at all, but instead look at it much more on a spectrum. And so there's 
people are now recognizing there's this whole area of gray area drinkers that fall somewhere in between that have some sort of harmful effects of their drinking, but they don't necessarily identify as being an alcoholic or, you know, they don't meet the criteria for alcohol use disorder. And so they go on continuing to drink, continuing to have these harmful effects directly caused by their drinking, and yet it's not a big enough problem. And so for me, I think if people can get really honest about with themselves and ask, is this causing more harm than good in my life? And mm. that should be enough. If we, if we thought about anything else, we would not wait until the thing got so bad that we had a certain label in order to make a change. We would just notice this is causing more harm than good in my life. And so why would I continue engaging in that behavior? I love that. I think that's a very great question to ponder for someone that maybe is in that cycle of, you know, maybe they're the weekend warrior where, you know, they go out partying and they, they hate the way that they feel, but then they go back to their normal life and then think like, oh, I can do without it. But then they find themselves back into the same, you know, habits. And I think that is such an important way to look at it and to quantify for each individual person. So let's chat a little bit about the physical and mental health benefits of eliminating alcohol entirely. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, with that, with what I just said, I think also I want to acknowledge that while that seems like a really simple question, I do recognize that it's not that simple given the greater context to just eliminate alcohol because it's so such a big part of our culture and we can talk more about that. But yeah, you want to talk you wanted to know some of the benefits about giving up alcohol? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mental and physical. Let's hear it. Yeah, so I think the best way to understand this is to look at the impact. How does alcohol affect us? What effect does it have on our brain and body? And so alcohol is a depressant. Some people might already be familiar with this, but it's helpful to just have a bit of a refresher. It's a depressant, so it slows down brain functioning. And I think a lot of people are actually seeking that reward. They they drink so they can take the edge off and relax. But what actually ends up happening is because you know, our bodies are these brilliant systems and they're always seeking homeostasis. So if you drink alcohol, your brain responds with by releasing naturally occurring stimulants. And so this is why some people will wake up in the middle of the night after a long night of drinking and they're like buzzing at 3 a.m. Or they'll wake up in the morning and they'll have like anxiety, as some people refer to it as. It actually creates anxiety. And so that in itself, if you think about it, if you're a regular drinker, you're consuming a substance that is adding to your anxiety or giving you anxiety. And it's it also impacts your sleep quality. You know, I'm sure you've probably spoken with your listeners on the podcast and the people that you work with. Sleep is hugely important to our health mm-hmm. and well-being. So just those two things, if you consider it, are huge benefits if you're a drinker. Other things to be aware of. Alcohol contributes to multiple types of cancer. It, if you think about it, when you're drinking, you're effectively putting a poison into your body. And so there's, it takes a lot of energy to break that down. And so, yeah, those are just some of the benefits you can think about. I swear sleep is so important to me now, especially that I have two small kids and I can absolutely agree about, and especially as I get older, I swear I, it only takes like, I I can 
feel the quality of my sleep go down when I just have like a glass of wine or like even a half a glass of wine. It's just crazy to me how acutely aware I am when I consume any alcohol, like at the, at this point, you know, so that's, that is huge. Yeah. And I think it's really important because so many people are into sleep tracking now and we have this growing awareness of how important sleep is. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people associate alcohol with getting to sleep. Like I hear people say, oh, I drink to get to sleep, but they don't realize that your sleep quality is actually dramatically reduced by drinking. Yes. And in fact, I've heard you talk about, or I've heard you mention how alcohol is the anti-fitness. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about it, and this is the really interesting thing to me because alcohol has been so infused in a lot of like sports culture. And, you know, you see in marathons, people get to the end of the race and they're having a beer. And so it's like, they've been really enmeshed, even in the wellness industry. You know, you see things like vino vinyasa and these combinations of alcohol and wellness or fitness. And the reality is, you know, for the reasons that I just spoke about, it's, you know, not only does it impact your sleep quality, but you're using a lot of your energy to break down the alcohol. You're consuming those empty calories when you're drinking. It's really hard on your heart, your cardiovascular health. So uh, there was a woman in one of my group programs who was telling me that her resting heart rate went down dramatically from just removing alcohol, not even changing anything about her fitness. And so, yeah, you know, muscle recovery, there's a lot of different layers to it, but it definitely, if you have goals for fitness and health, even though the alcohol industry has really found its way into the wellness space and aligning with those categories, it's something to really consider by simply removing alcohol, you will have a much easier time at meeting those goals. And also, if you think about it, alcohol inhibits or it makes you more impulsive in your behavior. So if you are trying to implement new healthy habits related to fitness and nutrition, and I know I'm kind of straying from the original question here, but I think that's another really important consideration too, is just being able to stick to your goals and stick to your daily habits. I love that you address that because I do think that it is easy to overlook that just one drink could be the culprit of this these different spirals that people can go down, right? Or like different deviations that they take from their goal. And I talk about this a lot where on the podcast I've shared, you know, if if your values and the way that you're spending your time and with whom you're spending it with and how you're spending it, what you're consuming to that point does not align with where you are going or where you want to be going in terms of your physical fitness or your any type of goal, then it should be very easy or it, be, it should become easier to see where the problems are, right? Like you can easily see this is not serving me. This is maybe something I should consider removing or th- this group of people might not be the best for my my habits because I feel like all I do is talk negatively when I'm around them because they are, you know, so I think that the things that you spend your most time doing do have such a big impact. And so I love that you that you brought that up and that there's a correlation absolutely even from the once in a while drink. 
Yeah, 100%. And you also, you know, when you asked about benefits before, it just makes me think too. It's like when you remove alcohol from your life, you realize you have to reevaluate a lot of different things that alcohol played into. So you're changing your habits. You're also getting an opportunity to build real confidence. And I think that fitness can actually work really well hand in hand with sobriety in that sense, because you can build genuine confidence by things that do not require you to outsource that to a substance, but it's by living in alignment with your values, by showing up and doing the things you say you're going to do. So there's all of these other benefits that become more clear as you start to really get into this process of removing alcohol from your life. You said something just now that I wanted to ask about because we talk about liquid courage, right? Or like this is kind of a coined term about how alcohol can be used in social, social situations where people who consider themselves to be sort of antisocial or have some sort of social anxiety turn to alcohol to kind of cope with that. Can you speak to how that might change or how that is different for removing alcohol from those situations? Yeah, that's a really, really big thing. And it comes up a lot. A lot of people are depending on alcohol as a social lubricant or to make them more confident. The thing that I recognize with that, because I, I, I was one of those people for sure. I put so much of my confidence in alcohol and I had a lot of social anxiety that I had to work through when it was no longer in the picture. But the truth is we tell ourselves we're building more confidence. What we're actually doing is saying, I'm not okay enough to just go to this party as I am. I have to have this mind altering substance in order to make me be okay with this group of people, to be enough in this group setting, to be able to speak my mind or whatever it is, to dance, to sing. We're not actually gaining confidence from that. We're getting an illusion of confidence. It's a fake sense of confidence that over time chips away at our confidence because it tells us you're not enough without that substance. And so that whole idea of liquid courage, I think, can be so harmful for people because we become so dependent. And that's something that is not just people who struggle with addiction. That's a big majority of the people who have their social life completely wrapped up in drinking. That's really powerful. The looking inward and considering why you need this drink. And it's not just to get the benefit of maybe loosening up a little and becoming more social. It's you're looking at like the reverse. It's like, well, why do you feel like you need it all together? It's the inner dialogue of the rhetoric that you're telling yourself about your value and your worth and who you are as a person. And I've never really heard someone put it like that when talking about liquid courage. So I really hope that that speaks to someone who needs to, to question what they tell themselves about themselves. Okay. So how then do you approach teaching people how to adjust their lifestyle and social situations and maybe coping with their stress without substances? Yeah, it's a great question because like I said earlier, even if you have some clarity that alcohol is causing you more harm than good, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in order to make it sustainable because a lot of people who are regular drinkers surround themselves by other regular drinkers and might be in a culture where drinking is really common. And so the first thing, and before I say anything else, I feel like I should acknowledge that if you are struggling with addiction or you alcohol use disorder, it's really important to seek professional help because 
it's one of the only drugs that you can actually die withdrawing from. It's pretty serious. So I, I feel like I should mention that. But for anyone else, and this really applies to everyone for any level of drinking, community and support is so important. So, you know, we're social creatures. And so if we feel like we're isolated now because we're no longer drinking, that's going to be a huge barrier to staying sober. So we're so lucky to be in a time where there's so many sober communities to plug into. You can find them easily online, so many in person. They don't even have to be called sober communities. It could be alcohol-free. It could be zero proof. It could be, you know, people that are just focused on wellness. But really finding a community and at least one person that you can talk to about this, be accountable to, and is kind of aligned with what you're trying to do. So there's that. And then I think it's really helpful, we were kind of speaking about this, to, to write out what are the costs and benefits of my drinking. And so we spoke about what some of the costs are. So getting really clear with yourself about what are some of the impacts this is having on my physical and mental health, for example. And the really nice thing is when you take a break from alcohol, you start to realize a lot of the hidden costs that you might not have even been aware of. And then writing out what are the benefits. So what are the rewards that I'm getting from this substance? And sometimes it's just these perceived benefits that have become, you know, that really get conditioned into us because we are all kind of taught to believe that alcohol makes you more fun and social and connected and confident. So get really clear on those things. And the reason that that's so important is because we wouldn't be drinking if we weren't getting some form of reward from it. And so we need to find new ways to get that same reward. And that's really important when we're talking about people who are using alcohol to cope with you know, mental health challenges, for example. So maybe somebody is you know, suppressing the pain of a really difficult breakup or grief or you know, depression. If you just remove the alcohol, that's taking away their coping skill. So instead, we actually need to bring different things in. It might be that you need to start working with a therapist or a support group or you know, taking up yoga, meditation, whatever those things are, I think it's really important to, yeah, understand what those rewards are and find new pathways to replace that. Because that's when your life actually starts to get a lot better. Because now you've taken out the harmful effects of drinking and you're still getting all of the rewards from those benefits that you've identified. So there's that. And then there's the more practical things with behavior change. So adding friction, you know, remove the alcohol from your house especially in those early days, I don't really recommend people going into really high pressure drinking situations unless they feel pretty confident with telling people that they're not going to be drinking, having habits that are really supporting your well-being. So what I find with a lot of people is their drinking is a result of nervous system dysregulation and being really stressed and overwhelmed. And so just having tiny habits in the morning and sprinkled throughout the day that help you feel more calm and grounded and not slipping into that place of feeling like you're going to act really impulsively. And yeah, so more practical things like that can be really helpful. It really comes down to just planning ahead and having the, the tools and support around you. I love that you echoed this sentiment about building better habits and obviously around removing alcohol, because I, I have shared this many times on the podcast, but I know you hear certain things when you're ready to hear them. But I always talk about how I forget what the percentage is of likeliness that you will 
succeed in building a new habit by not just breaking the old one, but replacing it with something else. It's not just a matter of willpower and beating yourself into submission and being like, okay, I'm not going to eat the candy bar or have the drink or whatever the thing is. It's not just about willpower. It's literally about replacing it with a better alternative. And it's actually very life-giving that several people from around the world who have taken on the Mindset Mile 30-Day Challenge have shared with me that they have quit smoking because in place of smoking, they actually went out to either run or walk a mile while listening to the podcast. And so that really is the entire like theme of the Mindset Mile. And so I just... I really appreciate how you are breaking this down and you're sharing this in such a relatable way because I think a lot of people will be able to identify with, you know, some how, how to fix maybe some of these disconnects in their desire to reduce alcohol or cut it out entirely. So thank yeah. you so much. This has been so beneficial already. I want to segue a little bit because what if someone is unsure if they want to give up alcohol forever? Do you feel like there is harm in alcohol consumption every once in a while? Um, I, like I said, I do feel like this is where a lot of people struggle is like they are curious, which is why we're having this conversation, sober curious. But the idea of fully committing to a life without alcohol feels like too big of a decision to make in the here and now. So where would someone even start with this? This is such a good question. I find it to be so important. And, you know, again, I'll say for me personally, as somebody who identifies as struggling with addiction, and I really believe that when it comes to addiction, abstinence-based recovery is, I believe in abstinence-based recovery as in staying sober. And at the same time, I do not think it's helpful to think about the rest of your life from where you're standing right now. Because if if you were to make any decision about the rest of your life right now, that would bring up so much kind of fear and overwhelm for anything, you know, and we don't need to do that to ourselves. All we really need to focus on is right now in this moment. And I love that, you know, we hear that in so many different ways. That's obviously a very, like a key mantra in the recovery community, one step at a time, one day at a time. We also hear this in all different types of, you know, mindfulness-based practices and Buddhist philosophy, you know, about living in the present and living in the now. So I think there's so much value in just focusing on today, like these next 24 hours, because I hear so many people like worrying about things that are happening five or 10 years in the future, like a champagne toast at a wedding or the New Year's Eve party or, you know, the birthday party that hasn't happened yet. And so we we can put so much pressure on the situation that it makes it a lot more challenging to just focus on getting through the day without alcohol. And when we are actually super present with our experience, we actually realize that not only is it not that bad, but it's actually really enjoyable, like our experience right now, not having alcohol in our system. And so I think that it's really important for people not to allow themselves to get too focused on what the rest of their life is going to look like when they're thinking about giving up substances. And a really great place to start if you are someone who's just sober curious is think about taking a break. Say you're going to do you know, a dry July or a dry January, sober October. There's like all these months now that create the opportunity (laughs) to do that. But 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. And just if you can stay super honest with yourself 
about where you're at, then you don't need to worry about putting the, this firm line in the sand for the rest of your life. Because what I find with people is when they do that, they actually find, oh my gosh, I thought that I was just going to be you know, fighting off this, this desire to drink and my whole life was going to fall apart. And actually, I've filled my life up with so much more. You know, it's like you realize that for a lot of people, and I don't want to speak for everyone or say that every single person needs to be sober. I, I don't go around trying to convert the whole world to sobriety. It was a necessary choice for me. But I do think that a lot of people are now are just making that choice because they realize that it actually can be a positive thing. Absolutely. You may already know this about me, but I love making my bed every day. It starts my day off with a sense of accomplishment, but I also love slipping into a beautifully made bed every night. And my cozy earth bamboo sheets make all the difference. They are so unbelievably soft and comfortable, and the premium fabric regulates body temperature no matter the season. They're perfect for the hot summer nights coming up. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer just for my listeners. You could receive up to 40% off site-wide when you use code MINDSETMILE. Go to CozyEarth.com to explore their latest arrivals and to receive up to 40% off when you use code MINDSETMILE at checkout. Quality and stylish eyewear is a non-negotiable for me, which is why I love Gooder sunglasses. As a mom of two, I have enough things to remember to get out the door. So since Gooder Sunnies are only $25, I like to keep them everywhere from my purse to my gym bag to my center console in the car, so I'm never without sunglasses. They're lightweight and comfortable, and I love that they don't budge when I wear them running. If you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving Mindset Mile listeners free shipping on your first order. You can go to gooder.com backslash mindset mile and use code mindset mile at checkout for free shipping. And I also posted the link in the show notes. Gooder offers 30 day back money guarantees and hundred percent satisfaction. Find your pair at gooder.com. That's G O O D R.com backslash mindset mile to get free shipping on your first order. And how would you say your life has changed for the better? And what what did you discover that you loved about yourself that you might not have known when you had alcohol in your life? Yeah, my life changed really dramatically pretty quickly. So I, you know, for one, I never developed the tools to cope with my emotions or, you know, feeling that bit of social anxiety. I didn't realize how much insecurity I was masking with this kind of inflated sense of self that I got when I was drinking or doing drugs. And so at first, I'll be honest, it was pretty uncomfortable, but it allowed me to really get to know myself better. It taught me a lot about who my true friends were, and it allowed me to deepen relationships in my life in a way that I couldn't possibly have the way that I was living my life before. And I started to ask a lot of really big questions. So when I first got sober, I was working at an advertising agency in Chicago. And during that time, after I got out of treatment, I did my first yoga teacher training. And so I was doing like a lot of this looking inward and connecting with myself. And I couldn't really hide from 
the fact anymore that I really didn't feel aligned with the work that I was doing anymore. Not to say that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I know a lot of people who still work at the agency I worked at and love it and so many great people there, but it wasn't for me. And I couldn't hide from that truth anymore because it was becoming so glaringly obvious. And so it allowed me to really redirect. And I ended up going to Southeast Asia after that. And, you know, I finished my yoga teacher training and I started running retreats and traveling. And so I started discovering all of these hobbies that I love, like scuba diving and hiking and and things that just would never have come into my life before. And so when I look back, it amazes me that I actually thought that my life was going to fall apart. Like I pretty much came to a conclusion that, you know what, my drinking has gotten so bad that I'm just going to have to suck it up and live this boring life. And, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. just the cards I was dealt because I'm an alcoholic and I'm just going to live this sad, lonely life. And it couldn't have been further from the truth. And so, yeah, that's why I really love creating a space to just have open conversations about it, because I think in the past there was so much stigma. And like when I talk about that black and white narrative, it's like, all right, are you on the side of the, are you the alcoholic or are you the normal person? And the normal people should be able to figure it out. Whereas I think now the conversation is really changing where people are asking questions and saying, what would my life look like even if I took a short break from this or even if I cut back? You know, even if I just started to drink a little bit less, how might my life look a little bit different? And so for me, it's it's just gotten a lot more full. I've it's been an opportunity to get my to know myself better, to deepen my relationships with other people, and just really discover things that light me up in a way that I don't feel that I need anything else to change my experience. That is beautiful. I have to say that was just so that sounded so compelling. What I hope that what you just shared, what what people will take away from it is that you just don't know what you don't know. And you you don't know what you're not making space for by eliminating something so big, you know, in your life. And so I love the way that you shared that. And when you referred to yourself as an alcoholic, it made me want to ask you the words that we use around this, alcoholic sober relapse right like they they sound like they are reserved for big issues big problems are there other terms that people consider or are there ways for you to kind of talk about it or within this community that that are a little bit friendlier to someone who might not necessarily be an alcoholic but don't want to drink anymore or are kind of considering going down this sober road yes You ask such good questions about this topic. I think that's really, really important. And I even know people who do struggle with addiction that don't like that word and don't want to identify as that. It was a huge barrier for me for a long time. The first time I went to meetings, even, I remember I was like, I don't want to say I'm Mary, I'm an alcoholic. Like, do I have to say that? And so I think it's so important to, to remember that we don't need to label ourselves as anything. That is not a prerequisite to getting sober is to take on any sort of label. And the really cool thing is now that this whole sober curious conversation is happening and this this whole movement happening towards an alcohol-free lifestyle, we have things like alcohol-free, zero proof. And also just remembering that, again, like I said, you don't have to label yourself. Like I think about it sometimes, it's so interesting how it's almost like our society has got it so backwards that we've normalized 
consuming alcohol to the point that you have to label yourself something by not drinking it. And if you think about mm-hmm. all of the effects that we just spoke about, all of the different ways that that impacts your your brain and your body, there's no reason that you don't need to give somebody a reason or take on any sort of label for not drinking. And I think remembering that too, but there are so many alternatives and and just, yeah, letting people know if you're taking a break from drinking, I'm taking a dry month. But yeah, I think not feeling like you need to take any of that on is really important. I love that. You don't have to put a label on it. You can just say, I'm taking a month off. And you could say that for the remaining months of your life, <laughs> right? You don't yes. even need to quantify it as like, oh, I'm not drinking anymore, period. Because I do feel like there are situations where I, I've cut alcohol out many times before, whether it's for like 60 days or 30 days or 90 days, whatever. And it, it usually is revolved around like some type of fitness goal, right? And it always is kind of fascinating to me when I do, and I'm in a social situation where people are drinking and you just say that you're not drinking. It's like, oh, why are you pregnant? It's like, whoa, hold on. Like if I was, first of all, I'm not like, I don't want to tell you. (laughs) And two, like, why is that? Like the reason why someone isn't drinking is because they're, they're pregnant. Right. Or like the, the pressure that comes around it, even if it's like a friendly, like, oh, you're not going to drink. Like why? Or no one's asking you why you don't like mayonnaise, right? Or why you don't right. like mayonnaise on your sandwich. Like why? It's it's the juxtaposition, I think, that we're still in with there being so much more awareness and people following this conversation of sober curious and, and living alcohol free. I do feel like this is the most we've ever been familiar and surrounded by it than we ever have. But then it also exists so much still where you're like, wow, it's in these moments where I am choosing to not have a drink that I notice just how easily it is for someone to feel like they need to comment on me not having a drink. And I could see where that would be really hard for someone that is struggling in their addiction, you know? It, it makes me sad, right? Or or someone that's even struggling in their fertility journey to, to be asked if they're pregnant just because they're not drinking anymore. And I just, you know, if anything, I want people to take on an awareness that if someone is just saying that they're not drinking, just let it be. You don't need to ask any follow-up questions. You don't need to have an opinion about it. It literally has nothing to do with you. Just be supportive by saying awesome or not saying anything at all. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. Cause I think that is really true. And I think even for people who are listening to this conversation and they, they are, they aren't even making any decision about giving up drinking just to have these conversations and have an awareness of all of the different reasons people might be choosing not to drink is super important. And there's this great quote I can't remember exactly who said it. It might be Annie Grace, but it was something along the lines of that alcohol is the only drug that you have to make an excuse for not using. Mm, it's it's yeah. such a crazy concept. I know some people don't like to think about alcohol as a drug, but I mean, it is how it's classified. And it, mm-hmm. it is amazing that you should feel like you need to make an excuse for that. And I think what it comes down to is you don't. And a lot of times if you are struggling with these social situations where people are pressuring you or you're worried about how it's going to be received, I always tell people to 
literally practice. Like think about how you're going to deliver that answer before you go into the situation. So you're not just like on the spot because Mm. I used to go into situations, first of all, I would just, and this was 10 years ago that I first got sober. So these conversations were not really happening. I would try to go out and have like a fake drink there weren't mocktail menus really happening then either. And so I would just be like dodging. It was such an anxious situation. And I would be super apologetic with the way that I would tell people that I wasn't drinking and sometimes just end up completely oversharing with these like self-deprecating stories of why I wasn't drinking. And the reality is like, if you have a clear answer of why you're not drinking and you can practice that and deliver it with confidence, like the way that you're speaking communicate so much more than, you know, what you're actually saying. And so now I have, I never have anyone try to pressure me into drinking or, and it's not just because they know about the work that I do. It's just because I can say it in a confident and relaxed way that communicates to people like this isn't up for a debate, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Practice the elevator pitch. I like that. Yeah. Not to (laughs) say it was always the case. (laughs) Totally. And, you know, I would have never thought about rehearsing an answer for something like this, but I think that is really smart. Just knowing what you're going to say and that's it. It kind of removes a lot of the anxiety. I think that people probably feel in, Oh, what if this person asks or, you know, waiting for the question to come and, you know, just not being prepared for it. Cause as simple as it is to not be drinking alcohol anymore, articulating that can feel really awkward if you don't know what you, you know, what you want to say about it. Okay. So I I do have a question about this then. If someone is wanting to get their feet wet in eliminating alcohol out of their life, let's say for dry January, or they're taking on a 60 day, you know, alcohol free period and they slip up, they do have a drink. How do you approach this? We'll call it relapse situation for someone that might be a little bit newer that isn't quite, you know, they haven't committed to a full sober life, but they did commit to a 60 day alcohol free time period. This is so important. And I think that anyone who is going about a challenge or trying to get sober because they've had a struggle with alcohol in the past should actually have a plan in place for if a slip up or a relapse does happen. Some people choose not to use the word relapse anymore and instead say return to use because it might happen. It's just the reality of it. If you've struggled with alcohol in the past, and this is not something that you just have a take it or leave it relationship with, then there's a chance that it could happen. And the reality is what happens for a lot of people is they might have a slip up and then it's, all right, you know, I blew it. It's all over and end up swinging back in the opposite direction. And it's like, well, I've already gone back to it. I might as well go all out. And the reality is if you can just take that slip up, and this is something that I work on with people who've definitely struggled a bit with alcohol or it's been a pretty ingrained part of their life. If you can take that as an opportunity to better understand yourself and think of it as like a data point, I've heard it referred to as collecting data. And you say, okay, what were the hours and the days and maybe even the week leading up to that? What did that look like for me? Maybe you were really overwhelmed at work. You weren't getting a proper sleep. You weren't getting your normal exercise in or your meditation and starting to get really curious, like what were all of the factors that led up to the slip up? 
maybe it's you went into a really high pressure drinking situation and there weren't any alcohol-free alternatives. You didn't know what you were going to say. You didn't have an accountability partner to speak to. And you can just start to like really look at that as an opportunity to understand how can I do this better next time? Because it doesn't mean you need to throw everything away. And I think unfortunately that's what happens with a lot of people as they say, oh, I've slipped up, I blew it. So I might as well start drinking again. When you've built up those sober muscles, like you've gotten if you've accumulated like days or weeks sober, you have put in the work, you're in the best place now to keep going. You just need to take that slip up as an opportunity to learn and then apply what you've learned to the future. And that was my case. You know, it took me, as I mentioned earlier on, I went to treatment for the first time in 2010. It wasn't too until 2013 that I actually got sober. And I wouldn't encourage anyone to just go on that roller coaster ride, but I I learned some really, really valuable lessons during that time. And I carry all of that with me. I was stubborn. I had to learn those lessons. But if we can look at it that way, then we don't fall into that same cycle of shaming ourselves because shame can actually be a huge trigger for people to drink more. So if we get in that cycle of like really getting down on ourselves and beating ourselves up, then it can actually just make the problem worse. Yes. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I work with people a lot that take this type of all or nothing approach in with their fitness goals or their diet, you know, with they ate clean for, let's say 30 days or whatever. And then they had the burger or the whatever it is. And then it's just this gateway to for some reason, you know, we allow ourselves to think like, well, I had one bad thing. What's a whole nother day of eating junk food then, you know, and it doesn't have to be like that. It just, it just can be like that one instance and that one situation, and then you can let it go. Like you don't need to make it mean anything more than what it was, which was just, you ate a burger or you had one drink, let it go. You don't need to keep on down that path. Right. So thank you. I'm so glad that you're echoing all of these sentiments because I think it applies to so many things in life. And I I really try hard to help people get rid of this all or nothing mentality because it definitely was something that held me back from pursuing a lot in my life is like this perfectionist mentality. And um I don't I don't think that we're really prepared to deal with failure the way that we kind of grow up thinking about it, right? Like that failing means you're a failure. And that that's the total opposite, I think, of, of what it means, actually. It's just a little speed bump. You know, it's just a speed bump. Doesn't mean there's no road left. So just keep going. Yes. I'm so glad that you make that parallel because I think that they work so well together. That's exactly it. The mentality of like, you missed one workout. And so it's like, you might as well just, you know, skip the whole week or with eating. I mean, a lot of people also... The reason why it's so great to approach this holistically and looking at it as in like your habits and how you manage your emotions, how you manage stress is because if you don't do it that way, then you can remove the alcohol and just translate it to something else too. Like you can translate it to your relationship with food or, you know, whatever that thing might be. And so I can imagine that there would be a lot of parallels too with people who are struggling to get their nutrition and you know their their eating habits under control it can stem from a lot of the same underlying root causes and a lot of the same mindset shifts that need to happen and so 
it's just another reason that doing this work, both, you know, everything that you share on this podcast, like I, your podcast is so great. I'm so glad that we're connected mm-hmm. because it's so supportive for people who are living a sober lifestyle, like the people that I know that are, because that's just the beginning, you know, but then we're, we're really getting to know ourselves on a deeper level and everything we're learning, it applies to everything. It does. It really it does. And I'm, I'm, thank you for, for saying that. And thank you for wanting to be on the show because I felt like it was just, you were the perfect person, um, to, to share more about this and to kind of drip on someone that maybe has been thinking about this for a while that just needed to hear some of these real life situations just spelled out because I don't feel like there is enough talk around it. And, Yeah. So I do hope this helps. Mary, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and just being so vulnerable in how you have arrived at this place. And I I know that people are going to want to know where to find you on the internet and all of the social platforms. So how can people connect with you? Well, yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I think that we're very aligned in a lot of ways. And it's Again, it's very cool to me that you're opening up this conversation and just to see that people are so much more open and having these conversations is really exciting. So I have a website, sunandmoonsoberliving.com, where you can access more resources. On there, there's a membership community. And so my aim with that is has been to create an inclusive space where people can come and feel welcome, whether they're sober curious or they're sober, really like within a wide spectrum of, you know, motivations that bring them there. And so we explore a lot of tools that support you in making changes in your lifestyle and how to sustain sobriety. I also have a podcast, the Sun and Moon Sober Living Podcast, in interview some people who have incredible recovery stories, some people who are just experts in the space of addiction, behavior change, a lot of yoga and mindfulness, since that's uh, something that I'm really passionate about. And on Instagram at sunandmoon.soberliving is a great place to connect. And you can DM or reach out to me anytime. I'm just really passionate about opening up a space for people to feel comfortable having these conversations, because even if this something is something that feels very insignificant and it doesn't seem like that bad. We all want to measure it against the worst case scenario. I really believe that there's no reason that people need to suffer at all because of their drinking. And so I just want to be a safe space for people to be able to ask questions and have conversations and feel less alone in it. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Mary, thank you so much. I have learned so much from you in these, you know, brief 30 or 40 minutes. And I just feel super inspired to explore this journey even for myself. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you for the work that you do and being the light that you are and inspiring other people to just look inward and see where that takes them. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for the work that you're doing. I think this is an incredible podcast that you have, and I look forward to sharing it. Aw, thank you. All right, Mary, we will talk to you next time. 